It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you grow your e-commerce business faster and more efficiently by cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and guidance from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, Master Plan World. Welcome to our latest podcast. It's a pleasure, as always, to have you here listening. I'm Chloe Thomas, the creator of the e-commerce Master Plan. I'm an author, speaker and consultant, and I focus on e-commerce business strategy and marketing. I hope you've enjoyed our customer attraction bonus series. If you missed it, you can, of course, catch up to it all for free in the podcast feed on iTunes, on your mobile device of choice, or just head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash the customer for those shows and everything else we're covering in our year of the customer. Today's guest is from a business who look after their customers really well. So let's get on and introduce them. Dominic Irons is the owner of Bureau Direct, a multi-award winning mail order stationery retailer. Dominic has grown his low AOV business up to three and a half thousand orders per month at peak using a range of methods, including a focus on design, great products and great customer communications. Hi, Dominic. Hi, Chloe. Um, I've just given our listeners a very quick overview of you and your business and where you are now. So how did you get started off in e-commerce? Um, my background is a bit of a, a mixed one because I sort of have a, a degree in art and I sort of worked in IT as well. So it's quite, even that's quite varied. But um, it, was a, it was a company my sister and my mother had set up as a, back in the pre-internet days. And I joined, I think it was around 2000 with a view to, um, to coming on board with my sort of bit of an IT background to helping set up a, what was then a fledgling online business. Um, that really was back in the sort of the dot-com days, the days of Boohoo, or Boo, sorry, isn't it? Boo.com. Yeah, Boo. <laughs> and um, and it, yeah, we, it never actually happened at the time, ironically, and, and for a couple of years it went to a bit of a lull, but around 2003, I think it was, we set up our, our online business and um, and yeah, and watch those first orders trickle in. So it was sort of it was a strange sort of meandering route to get there uh, through sort of like I say through sort of art, design, IT, and and eventually retail. Yeah, that that is quite an impressive range of skills. But I guess all of them come in handy in the day to day. Yeah, impressive or eclectic. Um, <laughs> no, I mean it's, it's it's it is useful. It's useful to have uh, certainly the, the the feel for the design side of it. But it's very good because uh, I think that's that's one of our sort of key elements that we focus on. Um, and I think I weirdly I, I managed to combine that with sort of quite a sort of a data analytical mind as well. So it's sort of yeah, it, it works quite well on e-commerce for me. In many ways, kind of the perfect skill set mix, even if that's kind of a bit crazy uh, quite quite an unusual mix to, to be able to be capable of so um tell us a bit about where bureau direct is right now so you're based in london uh, we're based in london and um, not because it makes sense necessarily but just because we're from london um, and yeah it, it we, we've been based in london we moved around a bit but we're based in a in a sort of an old victorian building northwest london um and we yeah we handle everything from the one building, so it's offices and warehouse fulfilment a lot. I suppose that's one of the quite good things about having teeny tiny products um, is that you can quite easily warehouse them yourselves and then and pick back and dispatch them yourselves. It is, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, it's a growing problem for us, and I can see sometime in the next few years we will certainly be faced with a fairly major decision. Do we outsource the entire fulfilment process or do we keep it in-house and... And with all the sort of attendant problems that brings in terms of, I guess, particularly space, 
which inevitably means we will probably have to leave London to do that because because yeah, the cost of, of of space is is is, is so huge in London. Yeah, it's it's um, it is it's kind of like well, it's it's almost great. You've got small products, so you can get this big and still do it in house for a reasonable cost, even in a place where square footage is as expensive as it is in London. But it actually means you kind of had to delay making that difficult decision, so you end up kind of going through the through the the initial stages of working out how to outsource and the initial teething problems with many more customers who might fall foul of the teething problems, if that makes sense. It it's, it's, a, think, it's a double-edged sword, I guess. Yeah, I think when we moved here, we moved here about six months ago, and I think we sort of we knew then that it was very much on the cards to look at outsourcing and, and the, certainly the fulfilment side, but we just felt we weren't ready and it would be a backward step um, for us to do so. And I think we sort of, but it's very much on the agenda sort of in the next few years to sort of to, to really decide where we want to go with that and how much we are. I've, read, I've listened to quite a few of your podcasts and it's a topic that comes up quite a bit around do you, do you keep those sort of core services in-house or do you outsource them? And it's, um, it's, it's a big decision. It's a, it's a really tricky one when customer service is such an important element. And if you've got a product, it's fairly straightforward to brief to people, you know, so if all you sell is certain types of stationery, Versus if you're, I don't know, hobby craft, um, <laughs> you sell everything under the sun you can think of for painting, art and design, kids craft toys, knitting, crochet, cross stitch, the works. If you're, you know, if what you're selling is a very good range of notebooks, pens, etc. It's, it's much easier for you to brief an outsourced um, customer service, util- you know, group Um than it is for someone like Hobbycraft to do it. So actually it becomes more feasible if you've got fewer products, I think. But I, I think it's one of the big debate points at the moment is if you want to deliver good customer service, should you do it with non... Because you know, quite often if you're doing it in-house, you've got people who sometimes do customer service and sometimes they do pick back and sometimes they do the, and sometimes they do something else. Or should you go to specialist customer service people and teach them the products? It's quite... It's, it's a difficult yeah. one. I think, I think certainly from our point of view, we, we place such an emphasis on the customer service and the sort of the personal nature that, that to outsource any element of that would would feel like you are running a serious risk of compromising the very service that you place so much emphasis on. And um, I think there was a sort of certain nervousness and reluctance to do that. But at the same time, if you want to grow, you, you've got to sort of accept at some point you have to sort of make make those big decisions. So you're definitely considering outsourcing the warehousing pick pack dispatch as a separate project to the taking the calls and the, the core customer service team element. I could certainly see outsourcing the sort of yeah the pick pack dispatch element of it before we outsource the the, the calls and the emails etc. Because um, because that is more of a clearly defined function uh, and and possibly. We could do a better. They, they could do a better job than we could do of it anyway. But it's. Um, but even then, I think that, that's still not a decision we've made. It's a question of. It, it's something we're going to be working on over the next sort of, I'd say, two years really to sort of just come to a decision of where we are going to be on that. Yeah, and it's certainly a project that it's worth spending some time working on because it's such. Uh, having been involved in the past in a couple of projects of moving warehouses and integrating with new systems and all the rest of it. 
you it's such a big project you really do have to make sure you've made the right decision because you don't want to have to go through it personally you don't want to have to go through it more than once in a short period of time in a couple of years let alone have to um have the costs of and the customer service impact of making the wrong decision um, and, and, and you've got to find the right people to do it with oh, and, yes. and outsourcing i think is something we found quite difficult um in, in in all sorts of different areas where we have outsourced to third parties it's, it's it's finding the right people to work with and and it not being a backward step in the short term it's, it's quite a it's quite a te- quite a challenge and certainly in the uk you've also got the challenge that if you're based in london the cheapest places for pick pack and dispatch services tend to be a very long way away from london it tends to be cumbria um up in the north where there's government grants and EU subsidies and all that kind of thing. And likewise, down where I am in Cornwall. But that means you're physically four to five to six hours away from your warehouse, which if you've had it in the next door room, is a really big mental jump to it, take. It will be. I can certainly I can immediately see the difficulties we sort of face with that, not just sort of operationally, but also culturally, the sort of, like you say, what you're used to, and suddenly it's not there. And and, uh, and I think someone once told me about sort of talking about outsourcing that, that side of it in terms of it being somewhere where you can get to and back in a day. And, and of course, like you're saying, if you're, if you're trying to cross half the country to get there, it's, it's, a, it's, a, big, it's a big challenge to your working life. It's, it's how a, well you, can work. you can't really underestimate the number of areas of the business it changes things. I think mm. would be the would be would be the fundamental point there. Anyway, right. Let's. Uh, we've we've had quite a nice little discussion there about fulfilment and outsourcing. Let's talk about the rest of your team then. How many of you are there at the moment? And are you all in house, or, or do you outsource some functions? Um, it's essentially a small small in house team. It's about we grew to about seven people at Christmas, and we're about six at the minute. Um, but with plans, I'd say by the middle of the year, we'd probably be about nine or ten people because we are looking to expand a bit. Of course, it's quite a nice a nice size of team, and you're doing all the marketing internally, or have you outsourced some of that? We have recently started doing outsourcing some of the, the, the functions that we feel that there are people who are a better specialists than we are. And I guess I'm thinking particularly things like PPC advertising, SEO, um, things where we feel that that is better handled outside. But, but most of the functions are still kept in house. Yeah. Okay, cool. And that includes, I guess, the design of the catalogue, because you you do quite a lot of the photography and everything for that, don't you? We do. It's partly because of my background in, in I, I do a lot of photography, and I sort of naturally fitted that we did a lot of photography for ourselves, and it creates unique content and a unique feel to what we do. That, that's very important to us. So I think a lot of the photography has is, is been uh, is, is been done in house, um, and we had we did we did a catalogue just before Christmas, and, and that was out. The design of that was outsourced. Um, and so I think it's, it's, again we're sort of deciding where we're going to go with that going forward and it's a le- again that's another steep learning curve um, working with, with different partners on these things but, it's, yeah. it's certainly um, I think SEO, PPC and catalogue design they are all areas where you can operate in a bubble thinking you're doing it all great and then you speak to someone who's been doing it for years and you suddenly realise there's a whole world of potential that you had no idea existed. Um, so, yeah, they, those three would certainly be on my top list of things things to be outsourcing. So we've talked a lot about the product. We haven't really explained what the product is because I said in my intro that you're a stationary retailer and you focus on great products. But you actually, you're, it's not like you're 
staples and you sell every stationary product under the sun, you're very clear about the types of ranges you stock. So do yeah. you want to explain a bit about that? Yeah, no, we're definitely not staples and we're not sort of high-end sort of luxury market either. We're very much sort of the practical day-to-day market, but in a sort of a, a sort of a, the middle ground, sort of the stylish, well-designed station you want to own, station you want to to it, it tempts you, and, but it has a practical purpose. Station that's well designed, station that's colourful, station that adds something to your life in some way. And I guess the core of that is things like uh, it's particularly notebooks and pens is, is the core of what we do. Um, but but things like inks, diaries, um, and we're moving back into doing what we did back in the shop days, which is trying to go do more sort of filing, storage, uh, and that sort of those sort of elements of. Uh, station. We've also started to move back into sort of doing bags and luggage, which sort of blurs the line as to whether that's stationary or not, but it sort of fits in. Um, and yeah, so I think it's sort of, um, but the core of it is notebooks and pens, and, and and obviously a lot of questions people would ask you know, in this, this sort of day and age of, of, of digital technology and uh, is what, what role stationery has, and it actually has a, it has a huge role. There's a huge demand for it particularly amongst sort of IT savvy people who, who like to combine digital and analog and it's, it's part of that. I have to say as a, as a digital person, I guess I am currently, surra- I sit in an office surrounded with paper. There's paper oh. and notebooks, all different sizes. There's pots of pens. I, I organize my day with a file of facts. Um, I organize my life with a file of facts and I'd be lost without it. But yeah, I'm using all the tech as well. And there's something just so, I find ideas flow an awful lot better with paper. So I think the notebook's around for a long time to come. Well, it's interesting where we, we take people on, we took someone on recently and he hadn't used a pen in, uh, in sort of proper, proper ink pen in, in years. And yet he's, he's, he's adapted to it again very quickly and appreciates sort of what it, what it brings. It, I think sort of, there's certainly something very tactile and, and it helps you sort of, like you said, I think it helps your thought process by writing stuff down in a way that you just can't with with a, uh, with, with digital solutions yeah, you, this, I can't, you can't imagine sitting in a meeting without a notebook Every, everybody goes to a meeting with a notebook you see I've I've tried with the tablet and I just it just doesn't work for me because I, I it just no it has just, to be it has to be the paper you'd be, you'd be too distracted and, and then you'd, you'd lose the thread of what you were trying to try and take notes about anyway yeah and then it turns itself off and you're like oh no where did that go and then you lose the note somewhere whereas you know my reporter's pad works perfectly every time as long as I yeah. keep it out of the rain, that is, yes. uh, <laughs> of course. Although to be fair, that gets a far far less damage than a tablet would in the rain. Uh, well, there is that. <laughs> so what? Not cheaper to replace it. Right. Oh yes, exactly. Um, so what platform do you sell on then? What's your What's your website built on? Uh, we are on a platform called Liquid Shop. It's not not a particularly well known platform, um, and it, it it does the job. But we are one of the plans again we have is I think to move. And we certainly, the one name that keeps coming up is, is looking at a Magento system. So I suspect that's where we'll end up some point in the next 12 months. Cool. So, so you've got quite a lot in the next 12 months, haven't you? But we're going to talk about that later. Yeah. So I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll hold off on that till we get there. Um, and and on, on, um, on Liquid Shops, are there any kind of key widgets, plugins you're using? Uh, the main plugins we use are we use Trustpilot for reviews, sort of independent third-party reviews, uh, both to get feedback and to uh, sort of give ourselves some sort of a feeling of where we where we rank in in, in, in sort of amongst competition. Um, but we also use uh, we use a sort of a like a pop-up a newsletter sign-up box uh, called it's called Paddy Act. It came through the email software we use, and um, 
and yeah, that drives sort of just sort of getting people to sign up for the newsletter, which possibly we'll come back to, but that's, that's, a, that's a core part of what we do. Cool. And the um, the email system you're using is? Views Pure 360. Okay. Which is a, a Brighton-based company. Cool. Okay. In which case then, let's move on to kind of a little bit more about what's happening. Um, so what, what do you think is the most awesome thing about your business right now? Um, I gave this a bit of thought, and I thought, well, actually, the most, I think probably the thing we probably would all agree on, the most uh, fantastic thing we have at the minute is our, is our weekly newsletter. So we have a, a weekly newsletter we send out, and it, it goes out on a Wednesday, and, it, and at some point it acquired the name Stationary Wednesday, and it has sort of, it's acquired a sort of a life of its own. Um, and it has a very loyal following, and I think it probably is, is the closest that we, we have, all things we do, it's the closest that, that we come to in terms of achieving the sort of the personal nature that we that, that we see is, is so important to us um, and so yeah it's, some, it's somewhere between a sort of a, it is a sales newsletter but it's also something of a wider sort of social awareness of what we are as a team who we are what we do and what we like um, but ultimately it's, 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 it's biggest uh, feature is the fact that it drives a huge amount of our sales I, I was looking at something like 30% of our Christmas sales were driven by a sort of a fairly ramped up email campaign we ran over the sort of the, the two three months of Christmas and um, and it's yeah it's, it's it's a big it's a big part of what we do and what we and our sort of strategy going forward. As a as a recipient of Stationery Wednesday, and I'm very very glad you mentioned it because I was going to ask you about it if you hadn't. Um, okay. I think I think it's one that everyone listening should should go and take a look at. Um, because the the content you put together, I mean, the overall concept of Stationery Wednesday is great. It's that consistency. They're getting that message every Wednesday. It's bringing them exactly what you do, which is great quality day-to-day stationery. But the the design and the content that goes into that, it's not a his three pens type email. I imagine you spend an awful lot of time creating those emails because the content's really, really great. It really sells the the experience and the 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 love affair with stationery, not just here's another notebook. No, I think it's, it's um, I mean, it really is a sort of a, a labour of love because it's like the number of times I've been sat there on a Tuesday night writing it personally and uh, into, into the late hours on Tuesday nights and thinking this, this, this has to change. But it is, it, I think it adds to that sort of personal nature. It, it comes, uh, it, it, very much it comes as a, someone has written that newsletter. I think people have made comments about it in the past about how it feels like a sort of a, like like keeping in touch with a friend rather than it being a, a marketing newsletter. I think that sort of is quite pleasing when you get those kind of that kind of feedback from people that they, they do see it as a very personal sort of relationship with you rather than just being like you say rather than just being here's ten pens and and get twenty percent off type of thing. It's, it's 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 very there are elements of that in it, but it's also it's it, it's a very personal sort of newsletter that we write. And again, one of the challenges we face is how to grow and and, and and to uh, and to have to sort of how to how to how to manage that, that newsletter because it's sort of clearly it's quite an unsustainable way to grow the business if you if you're if you're sat there on Tuesday night writing it so it's sort of it's finding ways to to maintain that everything that's good about it whilst at the same time growing and expanding. Yeah, I think I think probably second only to fulfilment outsourcing comes uh, the debate about who should write the copy in a business. Um, because it is, it's so time consuming, but it's very, very hard to to train someone else. Unless you know, if you unless you pick the right, you know, go to copywriting agency 
agency or something and you write a good brief, it's quite tricky and quite scary to to outsource that identity, which comes through in the words because it's, you know, we're an online business, so it's going to come through in the words. So I think I... But then, uh, then I'd also say say to you, if if thirty three percent of your sales were driven by the email, then surely it's worth your time to write it. Well, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly why I spend so much time writing it because um, because yeah, it, 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 you you know of all the things you do, it's probably the, the single standout thing we do that that succeeds in driving sales, and you just cannot afford to not to not do it. It's just um, it's just finding ways to sort of to grow the business and like you say to sort of start to, to, to hammer it to get other people involved to sort of lessen the load a bit um, but whilst retaining that sort of character and I think I think part of what we do is we one of the things we the other great thing I think about the, the business at the minute is we have a very good team of people all with a very sort of definite sort of individual personalities and we want to try and sort of a lot of that to come and shine through so I think there's also there's a lot of scope for Station Wednesday and, and other things we do to sort of to, to, to let people let their personalities come through a lot more than just mine. Almost like um, Waterstones, which for our international listeners is a UK book chain, a bit like Barnes & Noble. Um, and they have staff picks. So, you know, if you go into any Waterstones, you'll see these books with little cards, handwritten cards coming out the top, which are the ones which the people working in that shop recommend. So it it just brings that bit of personality to things, doesn't it? Well, it's funny you should mention that because that's something that is a, re- is a regular sort of topic that comes up here is, is exactly that, the sort of the Waterstones effect where you go in, you're, you're, you're faced with hundreds and thousands of books and often you don't know which one you want to choose and you, you do, you focus in on, on the things that sort of that draw your eye and, and, their, and their individual branches have their own staff that choose in, in their personal choices for books and it is, it's very, it's very compelling. And how to capture, capture some of that with the website. Um, we've, and we've touched a few of these bits. Uh, what's on your radar and your to-do list right now? Um, I think apart from quite a lot of recruitment and, and all sorts of sort of technical things like trying to sort of find new platforms, I think one of the main things that I, I want to see us do this year is really, really sort of crack the nuts of, of, of personalization, really conveying a much better sense of who we are and, and in terms of everything we do and consistency across all the different outputs, so the website, the newsletter, the catalogue, uh, social media, just having a much more sort of consistent and, and improved uh, feel for, for, for the team and the, and the personalities behind it. So by personalisation there, you're not meaning, hi, insert first name here, you're more meaning getting across the 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 identity of the brand to make people feel like they have a more personal connection. Exactly. Um, conveying a sense of, of ultimately uh, who, what, what Bureau is about, what, uh, what the brand is about, why, why we're different to other people and, and, and hopefully it's something that people want to engage with and will want to come back and, and have repeat business with. Because I think it's one of the, it's one of the, the few sort of uh, things that, that identify us as opposed to sort of your competition and I think we've got to really sort of I think there is a lot there we just don't do enough of a good job of conveying some of that to people okay cool I think we've reached a nice little uh, little little solid point there to move on into the top tips round so this is a section that I love because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level so Dominic first up is your book top tip if everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better which book would you recommend um, I, I actually struggled to think of a book I could really recommend. So what I actually settled on was a book I just started reading just recently. Cool. Um, 
and it's something that someone mentioned to me a while back, and I never actually got around to reading it. Uh, but it's, it's a book called Blue Ocean Strategy, Blue Ocean Strategy. Um, and essentially, in a sense, the, the essence of the book is about saying rather than sort of uh, trying to sort of compete in, in sort of very fiercely competitive waters where you're you're basically all fighting to the to the bottom of the, of the pool in terms of ultimately price, um, you seek out a strategy that, that takes you into completely uncharted waters where where competition is is, is almost non-existent and, and it's yours to it's entirely yours to, 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 to trade in in effect. Um, and for someone who, who we, we, we try and avoid as much as is possible online the whole idea of competitive price uh, markets. Um, it, it's a very appealing idea. Have you got to the uh, the Cirque du Soleil bit yet? I yes, he starts. He starts with that, doesn't he? That, which is quite an intriguing idea. That's the one which I read it a few years ago, and that's the story which just continues to resonate with me from that one. So that's a great recommendation. Thank you for that one. Um, okay. The traffic top tip then: which marketing method do you either prize above all others, or think doesn't get the press it deserves? I haven't listened to quite a few of the broadcasts. I've been quite surprised. No one actually sort of seems to want to, to mention PPC. Um, and uh, much as I tried to come up with something else to recommend, I, I, I feel that is actually a great way of recruiting uh, customers profitably because you're making a sale, they want something, you, you, you're, you're giving them something. Um, but it also it generates the kind of volume you need to, to really grow the business. So I think I... Think I stick my neck out and I'd say PPC. So when you say PPC, I guess you're talking Google AdWords. And are we talking, talking shopping Google campaigns, AdWords, yeah. shopping campaigns, remarketing, uh, keywords, RLSA? Are we talking the full suite? The, the full suite, yeah. I think particularly, obviously, um, to us, the core of it is, is, is still keywords. Um, but yeah, no, shopping campaign has been very successful for us as well over the last few years. And, um, and we are starting to work on a remarketing campaign again at the minute. So that, that one, less sure about a minute where that's going to go, but certainly the, the other two, definitely. Cool. I would just like to get that clarity because I know those people are going there, PPC, does he mean AdWords? Does he mean Bing? What's he talking about? So I, was, no. I, know, I know they'll be out there, people will be out there going, is he talking Google shopping campaigns? Which bit am I not doing? So no, uh, very, mo- very, very much Google, yeah. Excellent. Well, mo- moving on then, uh, the tool top tip. This might be a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient day to day? Yeah, a bit, a bit of a shameless plug, this one. But we, um, <laughs> there, there, is, there is a notebook that we have that combines sort of digital and analog um, via a sort of a pre-formatted page that Notebook has and, and a, an app on your smartphone that, that basically seamlessly um, scans and uploads your the pages to, to email, Dropbox, Evernote. And it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic way of, of sort of bringing uh, a notebook, something very sort of traditional like a notebook into the sort of digital age and, and, and being able to collaborate and share. I don't think we, we, did, we don't make nearly enough use of it in the team, but I think it's something that we, I noticed a colleague of mine was there, Experimenting with experimenting with with the book this week, so it's. Um, I think that's yeah. That'd be my top tip. And what's it, it I should, called? <laughs> I, should say, I should say what it's called. It's um. It's a German notebook called Leuchter, um, and it's uh, the book is called a Link Notebook. Excellent. Well, um, Master Plan World, I'll put a link to that on Dominic's website because we appreciate the shameless plug. Um, so you can go and have a look at that and and check it out. And I think I think I might be placing an order for that one because that sounds rather cool. Uh, anyway, the startup top tip. Dominic, if you met someone this weekend who's thinking of starting an e-commerce business, what would be your first tip for them? 
my my tip is around being wary of data because it's both the, the single most amazing aspect of an e-commerce business the amount of data that you can get but it can also be the very thing that that, that traps you into a sort of a, a sort of a vortex of data and you, it's, it's about really being clear what, what you think are the most important things to be measured and and sifting through the data that's available and saying looking at the bits that matter to you and, and putting the bits that don't aside to one side because there's just so much data there I think that that's good advice for all of us, not just the startups. Um, Masterplan World, you can find these top tips and links to everything we've been chatting about in today's episode by going to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash 39. And I've got one last top tips question. Dominic, if your business didn't exist, which e-commerce business would you like to be running? I'm probably showing my age here, but there's a a business called Rapha, R-A-P-H-A, um, and it's a, it's a very very unmarket cycling business, and I, I just think they do a fantastic job of combining uh, online e-commerce with 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 the sort of social media and the the, the content. Uh, so they have films and articles and interviews, and it all just seamlessly fits together perfectly all around a sort of a, a very clear idea of what they want their brand to be. And uh, so yeah, it's it's rapper.cc is their website, and I think it's it's just done everything about it is just done perfectly. Oh, excellent. That's one I haven't come across. So I'll be checking that one out later too. Um, so before we say goodbye though, Dominic, would you like to let listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media? Okay. Uh, well, our, our website is Bureau Direct. That's B-U-R-E-A-U direct.co.uk. Um, and you can find uh, more about us at stationarywednesday.com. And that's stationary with an E. Um, and then all the usual media, uh, social media like Facebook and Twitter. Um, and Instagram. Excellent. I will put links to that, all of that and everything else we've talked about in today's show on the show notes. As I said earlier, those are available at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash 39. That's the number three, then the number nine. Or just go to the website, click on the podcast tab or use the search box. Dominic, thank you so much for being on the Ecommerce Masterplan podcast today and for being so generous sharing your experience with us. Okay. Thank you, Chloe. What fantastic advice um, from Dominic there today. And I think you'll all agree there's a lot, an awful lot they do with the personalization of the content they're working on, which is really about starting that first conversation with the customer and building that tr- trust with them to turn people from visitors to their website into inquirers. And then, of course, building them up ready to become a buyer. So, Thank you very much for listening today. As one of our subscribers, of course, as always, if you're enjoying the podcast, please do share it with your e-commerce friends on Twitter, on Facebook, over a coffee or a pint. I do not mind how you share it. I just want to make sure that we're helping as many e-commerce business people out there as possible, because I know from all your feedback that you find these invaluable. So have a great week, everybody, and just keep optimising. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com.